0: You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast and this is episode number 48. Welcome to part 2 of our Back to the Basics series everybody where I am taking us to the foundation of apostolic doctrine and truth. Today we will be studying the oneness of God and it's the number one topic that I get asked about more than anything else I believe. Well except for maybe my long hair but we will get to that eventually this season. Let me start by saying that if you don't know much about the oneness of God, you will after this. I didn't know either. When I first came to the Lord, I knew nothing. And when I first started studying the Bible, I really was in awe of all of the truth that's inside of it and I had so many questions, but I'll tell you what, the oneness of God answered every single one of them. While a lot of people argue that the word oneness isn't even in the Bible, the word one is. And many scriptures point in that direction i'm going to start this episode off with a prayer because i want us to be open to real change and prayer helps us get there lord jesus i want to thank you for the revelation of who you are it is possible to know your identity because you've given us evidence in your word and so i pray that every person listening will come to understand you on a deeper level that every preconceived idea or false belief we have will fall at the feet of your truth. Bring us alongside you as children eager to learn, so that we may grow in our faith and walk with you. I ask that you please anoint this episode because without the knowledge of who you are, nothing else I teach matters. Knowing you is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of a new life in which you are king. I am so thankful that we have the freedom to approach you boldly. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. I am so grateful to be in a position to share with people just how good you are. Let your will be done through me and through this podcast and let your word pierce the hearts in new ways so that we may become who you have called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay guys, let's just get right into it. Here is episode number 48 that I am calling... Back to the basics, the oneness of God. You're listening to the Hello Awesome podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? Guys, I am beyond excited to tell you about a new feature that I am rolling out this year on the podcast, voice memos. That's right. If you've been listening and the Lord just has been blessing you, I'd love to hear about it. Also, if you have a question about anything that we have discussed on the podcast or about Hello Awesome in general, I want to know. So call one 698 27 to leave a voice memo that might be used on a future episode of the podcast. How exciting is that? Again, that's 1-860-698-0027 to connect to the official Hello Awesome Podcast voice mailbox. Leave some love or a question and keep tuning in because you might just hear yourself here on the podcast. Before we get to why you're here, let me share two special deals with you from some friends of mine. The Hello Awesome Podcast wants to welcome back our sponsor, Nuggles for a new season. Through affordable, modest fashion, Nuggles aims to provide beauty with comfort. From dresses to slip skirts, modesty doesn't have to sacrifice style. Hello Awesome listeners can use the exclusive 10% discount code by using Hello Awesome 10 during checkout. Head to Nuggles.us to browse their full collection today. Again, that's dot U S to shop high quality products to add to your modest wardrobe today. Do you firmly believe that our relationship with Jesus should impact every part of our lives, including the clothes that we wear? We do too, and so do our friends over at The Modest Poppy. If you're ready for casual wear that's high quality for the modern Christian girl, use their special discount code TMP20 for 20% off your next order at themodestpoppy.com. You can be a witness for Jesus just by what you wear. So take advantage of these special offers from our incredible sponsors right now. Welcome back to the podcast, my sweet friends. I am here with another solo show and part two of our Back to the Basics series. I hope you are excited. I know many of you have shared with me on Instagram how you really have been excited about this series because it's been something that has been on your heart. And I want you to know I am right there with you every solo show this season we are diving into foundational topics that shape our beliefs and faith now the format of the hello awesome podcast has always been one interview and then the next week a solo show So if you are new here, that's kind of what I like to do. I like to give you guys some insight myself, what I am feeling, what's been on my heart, uh, some scriptures, some verses, things like that. And we just talk about some really cool, real topics. And then I also like to share with you some interviews of amazing people that can impute some wisdom into your life. I hope that makes sense to you. I am going to keep that format because I really do love it. I like having interviews, but I also do like solo shows because there are some things that are just like burning inside of me that I need to talk to somebody. Rather than talk the ears off of my family, which I do anyway, I put it on the podcast and I pray and I do some research and I really write uh, the episode before I speak it. So anything that I'll be talking about In this series, I have studied and I have taken time to write it all down first. Now for this Back to the Basic series, I really want us to tap into why we do what we do as apostolics and I want to encourage us as we walk this unique spiritual road. Last solo show, we discussed the Word of God. I talked about why the Bible is essential to a Christian life and how even the world's most brilliant scientists believed there was a God. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, please go back and do that. I pray that you will be blessed. But today we are tackling one of the biggest controversial topics for us as believers and that is what we apostolics like to call the oneness of God. Now, why is it a controversy? Because many of the Christian organizations over the last century have not only proclaimed that the oneness of God is false, but they have adopted a triune point of view. Now this is important to talk about guys. I know that we don't usually want to because it's very uncomfortable. We like to pretend that when we hear somebody talk about Jesus, they're talking about the one in the Bible. But sometimes that's not true. While they may be deep in scriptures and can follow the life of Jesus through the New Testament, there are many organizations and believers of Christ that denounce that he is in fact God himself. The Triune Doctrine believes that there are three separate persons working in unison. It is believed that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three distinct people. Two popular organizations that cling to this doctrine are usually Baptists or Catholics. I am not here to bash anyone. I am merely stating facts of what they believe so that we can understand the difference. They tend to lean away from the oneness doctrine and so throughout the years there has been this tension between those who believe in a triune, co-equal relationship within the Godhead and those, like Apostolic Pentecostals, particularly within the United Pentecostal Church International, who believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, who operates alone through three distinct roles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, not three separate persons. So why am I telling you this? A few reasons, actually. The biggest one is that you can't live a Christian life without knowing who God is. It's kind of impossible, right? People who call themselves a believer but have no foundational beliefs are building on shaking ground. There is nothing concrete or solid in their faith because they have not yet received or accepted the revelation of God for themselves. Another reason is that we don't want to spend our entire lives fighting for a doctrine that is false or misleading. Not only is it a huge waste of our time here on earth, but... It's a devastating reality that could alter our afterlife status when the Lord judges us and we enter into heaven or fall into eternal hell. Lastly, and this is what I want us to get familiar with, knowing who Jesus is will help us spot the counterfeit belief systems and will enable us to defend our faith, encourage fellow believers in their walk, and bring the truth to ears that need to hear. I feel and fear that there are many of us who claim to be apostolic Pentecostal, but have not yet established the scriptures that point to only one God in our hearts. And so that is why I really want us to revisit this topic. I also know that there might be some listeners who either are not apostolic or maybe have never visited the idea of there being a oneness theology. And so I want to break it down in a way that can be easily digested. Does that make sense? I don't want to preach to you and say a bunch of fluffy words that have no weight. In this episode, we will go into scripture and we will look at key verses, connecting the dots and finding the pieces to this puzzle we like to call God. Because the fact is, God wants to be known. There are many believers of different faiths who say that He is a mystery. And while we cannot fully know everything about God, There are things that He has told us in His Word that unveils the mystery of His identity. The truth is, the ways of God can be a mystery, but God Himself is so powerful, He can make Himself known to our finite minds, meaning us humans. His identity is not a mystery when you read and study the Bible. God has revealed to us who He is in His Word for two purposes to love him with our entire being and to love one another. And the only true way to understand how to love in the greatest measure is to understand who it is that has crafted love and has defined it. I have had many discussions and arguments about this topic. Not going to go into them, but more than anything else I believe in, I have been challenged on the oneness of God. I've had multiple back-and-forth Bible study sessions where it ended with the other person claiming that we believe the same thing but I just know more, which is untrue. I've also had many get upset or angry at me, refusing to understand what I was teaching. I've been called a heretic and other distasteful words. My point is, allow God to work in your heart even if this topic makes you uncomfortable, even if it challenges your beliefs. Try to be teachable and moldable. Try to be a hearer. I am not a Bible scholar or a preacher. I'm not a pastor or someone in a spiritual authority outside of my home. I do not know it all and I do not come at this topic with guns blazing. Honestly, if there is something that I have said or that I do say that you do not agree with, all you got to do is just email me helloawesomeshop at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at helloawesomeministries and let's have just a civil conversation about it. All I am is a woman who grew up going to a church that believed in three separate persons. But when I was at my worst, Jesus met me with the fullness of his identity so that through that revelation, I can know my identity. Through the knowledge of who God is, you will learn who you are and who you are called to be. Through understanding, you will grow strength in your faith so that when the winds blow, You don't go flying like a hairpiece during a hot Sunday morning service. So I pray that your heart and mind will be open and ready to receive whatever God is willing to bless you with through this episode. If I've learned anything during this last decade living for Him, is that God can use any platform at any time to make Himself known to His people. So in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, may you yield to His Spirit as you listen to this message, And may the walls around your belief system be tender enough to change according to His word and not my words alone. Amen. So, before I jump into scripture, I want to share why I'm passionate about this topic. I can remember being a little girl and having a desire to pray. I really wanted to. But the problem was, I didn't know who to pray to. I knew God was the Father and I knew Jesus was the Son, but when it came time to connect spiritually, I was so confused on who to call on. Who do I talk to during my time in prayer? I was so tripped up that I just stopped trying to figure it out and I gave up praying altogether. In season one of the podcast, I do share more about my testimony if you want to go back and listen. I can remember the exact moment everything clicked for me. I was in a service at my church, the Apostolic Church of Enfield here in Connecticut, I can't tell you the sermon that my pastor was preaching, but I can remember the phrase he said that changed my life. Jesus is God. Boom. Light bulb. There is one God and his name is Jesus. That's his name. And that's who I talk to. When I talk to God, I'm talking to Jesus because it's the same person. And when I talk to Jesus, I'm talking to God, not a separate person. It just made so much sense. The more I studied about the one God in the Bible, the Lord worked in my heart and started answering questions I've had. I was only 21 or 22 years old when I encountered Jesus. One profound analogy I felt he gave me not only helped me understand what I was learning, but it helped those I've taught Bible studies to in the past to understand the oneness of God. So, my name is JC. I am a wife, mother, and daughter. I operate differently in those roles, but that doesn't mean I'm three different people. Each of these roles is important and are not separate in identity, but part of one identity. The identity that is defined by my name, J.C. You could say that my identity is complete in my name. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit. He operates differently in those roles, but he is not three different persons. However, who is God? What is his name? His name is not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Those aren't names, but titles. And we will talk more about that when the topic of baptism is featured on a future episode this season. God's name is Jesus. And in that name is his identity. Now as we go into the Word of God for our proof of who God says He is, we have to let go of our preconceived ideas and beliefs of who we think He is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1 Before the beginning, it was just God. My pastor likes to say that it is true that God knows nothing because He was there when only nothing existed apart from Himself. Follow that? Word is translated in Greek as Logos each time in this verse. Logos is God's speech. So, in the very beginning was the utterances of the Lord existing. We see this in Genesis 1. The Logos was with God because it's His essence and the Logos was God. There are one. Simply put, God's identity is attached to His words. The Logos is alive because it's who He is. So, we must establish this as a basic principle which points to God's desire for us to know who he really is and has defined this in his word to establish relationship with his creation that being said if we read John 1:14 it goes further and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth there is a lot to unpack here in just one verse But it starts by saying the word was made flesh, which means to become the body of a man. Then it continues with and dwelt among us. Isn't that amazing? Now we probably all know the verse in Matthew one twenty three that declares, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This solidifies the truth that the Logos that dwelt among us was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The Logos that existed in the beginning before the world began is the same Logos that became flesh. This is important. This truth is derived by ancient language that we no longer see as valuable here in our Western culture. We have lost the art of studying language and meanings. The Bible was not originally written in English and that's why I do fear we will lose this oneness truth the more Bible translations we have. Now I'm not bashing on newer English Bibles, I use them myself, but it cannot be our only source for studying the Word of God, especially when there is rich knowledge waiting to be discovered in many original versions. I believe newer translations of the Bible should be resources during studying but not used as the ideal for doctrinal foundations. Now, let's go back to John one fourteen, and I'm going to read it again. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the phrase, and we beheld his glory, the word he is translated as meaning the same. If we flip back to the Old Testament in Isaiah 48, 10 and 11, it says this Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even mine own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. God is saying that He will refine us, He will do it, and He won't give His glory to another. Here is where the idea that there are co-equal persons falls flat. Let's say there are three persons. Well, in Isaiah, God literally says he is not sharing his glory unto another. Wow, that really is a prideful and arrogant thing to do and say. If there was really two other co-equals that rule with you, but you're saying they won't get glory. And as we read more of the Bible, we know that Jesus and the Holy Ghost are very much glorified. So does that mean that God is a liar? No, because he can't deny himself, meaning he can't lie against truth. So the only explanation is that God was establishing his identity as one. He will not and will never share his glory with another, period. Because he doesn't have to. He is only one. Now when the King James Version says in John one fourteen, the only begotten of the Father, the word begotten gets well forgotten there are a lot of people who don't even use that word and they try and skip over it. Now, many people who believe in a Trinity doctrine use this as proof that Jesus is a separate person. But the word begotten here means soul or only one of its kind, sometimes referring to a child. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. This verse is not talking about a separate person, but it is acknowledging that God becoming flesh only happened once. There was and will only be one Jesus, one human manifestation of God, the deity. Manifestation means, in faith-based language, something spiritual becoming real. The Father became a man only one time for us to establish a new covenant. And so the glory of Jesus is the glory of the Father because they are the same. Jesus was fully God and fully man, Therefore, he gets all the glory. God was right. He didn't share his glory with a separate son because he is the son. That's also why in that scripture we read in Isaiah, God says, will I do it? It wasn't a question. It was a proclamation. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. Jesus was only on the earth one time and gave his life for us all. His death on Calvary was a one-time moment in history that continually defeats death in every single generation since his pure blood was shed. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2, 8, and 9. Jesus has no limits of space and time. God is the only one who could become the pure lamb for our sin and has the power to place limitations on his own manifestation to fulfill the mission. The ultimate act of love as a parent is when we sacrifice our love for a child, not send one child to save another. This is another analogy the Lord gave me one day when I was first saved. If the father and the son were separate people, why would the father choose to send his son as a sacrifice for his children as an act of love? To me, it doesn't make sense that God would send a second person that is co-equal to be brutally beaten and murdered for the sake of saving souls. Even if the son was going to live again. What makes sense to me and what is confirmed by scripture is God taking that role of son, of savior himself. That is love, self-sacrifice, not co-equal sacrifice. It's God saying, I see your heart and mess that sin is making and I am the only one who could fix it. So guess what? I want you to get to know me. I want to walk where you walk. I want to be where you are so that you can learn of me. Because once you learn who I am, I can set you free through what I'm about to do on the cross. To complete the mission, which always was to cleanse sin from creation forever and open heaven's gates to those who follow him completely, God chose to become a man and die on the cross. This is a demonstration of his love as a father to become savior. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. Isaiah 45, 22 and 23. This scripture is God speaking in the Old Testament. There is none else. I have sworn by myself, that unto me every knee shall bow. Very clear language. Now let's read the New Testament. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians two ten and 11. Jesus Christ is Lord, is God. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow because Jesus is the Father. I absolutely love how he establishes his identity to us and makes it clear to understand. Listen, I am not taking one scripture verse and making an entire doctrine out of it. I know sometimes we are accused of that being oneness, people, but I am using one verse as a starting point for studying. That leads me to confirming scriptures throughout the word, both in the Old and New Testament. This is why it's so important to study the Old Testaments, because there is so much prophecy about God becoming Savior. So many people don't think that they are relevant anymore, but they are. That's why they have been preserved in the Word. If I had to choose which books were my favorites, the majority of them would be in the Old Testament because they set the foundation. They set the stage for Jesus to be born from a birth that was unheard of, a pure virgin, with a beautiful heart, became pregnant with the Messiah after the Spirit of God overshadowed her and the divine DNA of Jesus mixed with the earthly DNA of Mary. So, no, I don't say that Jesus was robed in flesh. That might shock a lot of listeners, but hear me. Jesus was fully part of the bloodline of Joseph. Mary's husband that traces back to David that traces back to Rahab that traces back to Abraham. Jesus experienced a human birth. Physically grew every year just like a growing boy does and faced temptations just like any other human man. He was without sin because he's also God, but he had place and limitations on himself and experienced life just like us. This is why in Luke 19:9 9, and 10 Jesus says these words to Zacchaeus after many accused Jesus of being a guest of a sinner. And Zacchaeus tries to plead his honest work. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is letting him know that he himself is also a son of Abraham, just like Zacchaeus. And the beginning of Matthew 1 1, before the scripture lists the lineage of Jesus, it says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus was not robed in flesh. The scripture says he was made flesh, became, not wrapped in a shell like a turtle. Life began at conception, like it always does. And if you haven't realized it already, language is so important to God. And I want to challenge you to look at the language you are using to describe God and who He is. Please make sure that the language you are using matches up with Scripture. And don't go along with popular phrases just because it's acceptable through the organization that you are a part of. One of the things I loved doing in the beginning of studying the Bible and getting to know God is comparing verses from the Old Testament to the New. It gave me a bigger perception. For instance, in Exodus 3, Moses is tending to his father-in-law's flock. He's been hiding out in the country, living the slow and humble life after he killed an Egyptian as a young man and feared for his life. This is when the Lord appears to Moses in a burning bush and calls him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and deliver them from slavery. Sometime during their conversation, Moses says this in Exodus 3.13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So Moses is trying to figure out how he should explain the identity of God to the children of Israel, so they'll believe that he truly was sent from God. And the Lord replies with this in the next verse, verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. When studied, the phrase I am here is interpreted as Haweh in Hebrew, meaning to be or to exist. Remember this. Jumping to the New Testament, we go to a story in John 8 when Jesus is being challenged by the scribes and Pharisees. Scribes and Pharisees are church people who knew the law of Moses and tried to keep the moral compass of the people pointing to God. But they often focused on the traditions of the church over the years and became stuck in their repetitions. So the Jews are questioning Jesus and are relentless in trying to prove him wrong. Towards the end of their argument, Jesus says this in John 8:54 54-56. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So many people are confused by the New Testament when Jesus starts speaking like the father is another person. But we have to remember that in this moment, In the moment of when Jesus is on earth, he is not just fully God but also fully man and in his humanity. He is acknowledging the role of the father, especially when speaking to Jewish people so that they would understand what he was trying to teach them. They do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah and they definitely don't believe that Jesus is God. So as a human manifestation, Jesus is saying here, that his honor comes from their God and that he cannot lie and say that he doesn't know him. Then Jesus goes further and makes the statement that Abraham rejoiced to see the day he became, that Abraham saw it and was glad. Now, two things here. Not only is Jesus saying that Abraham, the honored father of their spiritual lineage, rejoiced to see the day that Jesus is on earth, but that he actually saw it and was happy about it. So this means that Jesus, even as a human manifestation, still has an awareness as God because he is God and so he can see Abraham in heaven reacting to the birth of Jesus and he could see how joyful Abraham was in heaven even though he was on earth. That's how awesome our God is but the Jews did not find this awesome at all and they still don't believe him and so they questioned Jesus again in verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? We know Jesus was in his thirties, and so the Jews understand that logically. It is not possible for this young carpenter to know Abraham personally. But here he is, standing right in front of them, making this proclamation. The next response Jesus makes is so profound in verse 58. He says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. So, not only was Jesus saying that he knew Abraham, but now this 30-something carpenter from Nazareth is looking at these devout Jewish men who probably have been studying the law of Moses all their life right in their faces and says the phrase that changes the game, I am. This I am is translated in Hebrew as emi, which means I exist. Jesus is saying, I existed before Abraham. I existed with Abraham and now I exist after Abraham. And now I am here with you right now. I existed with Moses and I was with him and I am with you too. What happened next is not really surprising. Scripture says in verse 59, Then took they stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They were so angry because Jesus was speaking and using I am, applying it to himself when only God claimed to be the I am. They didn't get what he was trying to say and they really didn't want to get it. It was blasphemy that this young carpenter man was standing in front of him saying the phrase I am and using it as his own identity. Exodus 6, 2-3 says, And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Jehovah means in Hebrew to self-exist. Jesus wanted to make sure the Jewish men of the temple knew exactly who it was they were talking to. Not a second person of a triune co-equal Godhead. Not just the son of God, but that Jesus was God himself existing alone right in front of their eyes. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He is eternal. But how can Jesus be eternal if he was born? Because Jesus is God and existed from the beginning and before the beginning. Revelation one eight says this, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come the Almighty. Jesus states he is the beginning and the end, I love the analogy my pastor's daughter, Sister Lisa, uses to teach the kids about one God. If we were standing in line with, let's say, six people, are we the only one there? No, of course not. There is a person in front of us and a person behind us. If each person walks away, but you're left in line, how many people are there? One. So who is in the beginning and the end? You are. There is only one person. I love that. Jesus confirms this in Revelation 1.17 And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Ephesians 4, 4 4-5 says, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There are denominations who will agree that there is only one God, but not many will agree that Jesus is God. And we have to be careful not to follow the ways of the scribes and Pharisees in the temple, just going about their traditions and repetitions without truly having the full truth. God's identity is not hidden. He wants to be known. That's why he became our savior, to have a relationship with each one of us and that through his role as the son, we will have reconciliation. I want to end with this last scripture. We probably have heard it every Christmas at church. But when we read it in this context, studying the oneness of God and his identity, the verse comes to life. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 That child that was born, that son that was given, he is the Mighty God, he is the Everlasting Father, He is the Prince of Peace. The Lord Jesus Christ is one. His roles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, operating under one name, one person, fulfilling the role of each title to meet the needs of those he loves. Not three different people, sharing glory and dividing their workload. The Almighty, transcendent, eternal God, the Alpha and Omega beginning and the end, the first and the last, He loved you so much that he wanted to be known to you, wanted to walk with you, wanted to talk with you, wanted a one-on-one relationship with you. So he placed limitations on himself so that he became fully man, not changing his status as God, but adding the role of savior so that one day all our traditions and repetitions could end. All our blood sacrifices in the temple could end. And in one moment, one point in history, one body of the Lord Jesus Christ would be offered up as the very last blood sacrifice forever. To redeem our hearts back to Him. To cleanse us of the deathly grasp of sin. To give us an opportunity to live with Him in heaven where tears and sorrows don't exist anymore. That's my God. That's my Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in one identity. And I pray you will take some time in your own life to let Him show you who He really is and that you may get to know Him better than before. I obviously can talk about the revelation of Jesus all day. Thank you for joining me here on the podcast for the second solo show in the Back to the Basics series. Next time we'll talk about being light, the contrast between light and dark, and how it relates in comparison to us as creation and God as creator why we must recognize the difference and leave behind the idols in our lives, even if it means our own selves. I would love to hear all your comments and questions concerning this study. I know this is kind of new, but please call our voice mailbox that is set up to receive messages that we could play in a future episode. The number is 860-698-0027. It does ring a long time, I will tell you, and I don't know how to change that for now but just hold on the line and it will give you a personal message from me to any listener calling to leave a voicemail as always i really enjoy sharing my heart with you and revisiting these foundational beliefs i can't wait to chat with you again here on the hello awesome podcast i really pray that it blessed you talk to you soon my friend If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries. It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune in to future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to HelloAwesomeMinistries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up beautiful.